welcome to today's episode of Converging Conversations. My name is Onika Jefferson Cornelius, your host and founder of Convergence Solutions, LLC. Converging Conversations is where we get a chance to converse, we talk, we chat with amazing leaders who join us to share their story, personal or professional, and share how they've made the connection between who they are, what they do, and how they serve others. At the, end of these, at the end of the day, these conversations are designed to pique your curiosity, challenge your thinking, and encourage you to unleash more of you in the world. What has been awesome about season three, as we have kicked off, is that I would normally, right about now, start talking about my illustrious guest. And I do have a guest, but we are doing it different in season three. And so today's episode is turning the tables on me. And so my guest is actually going to be the host today. Her name is Susan Edwards. Susan is an amazing leader and I'm gonna let her introduce herself in a minute. And then we're gonna talk about how we're doing it different today. Susan reached out and she said, I love the podcast, but I wanna interview you. And blew my doors, y'all. So I said, you know what, I'm game, let's do it. So Susan, I'm going to turn this over to you. And let me preface this for our audience. I don't know Susan's questions. I don't have them. We are we are free flying without a net today, and I trust her. This is a sister that I love. We have walked many journeys over the last several years, and so when she wanted to come in this space and turn the tables, I was like, I I'm up for it. Let's let's do it. So Susan, I'm going to turn it over to you, figuratively and literally. So tell us about you. All right. Thank you so much, Anika, <clears throat> and forgive me for that. This spring, you know, it's spring in Atlanta. So the pollen is already in my nose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So um, as you mentioned, change management is my background. And that was how I met you at Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely have a career of change management and um, all the other skills that come with that facilitation, coaching, instructional design, communications. And I know that that's your background too, a lot of that stuff and um, or organizational development. And so, um, Anika, I wanted to interview you because I think we're at the mid to late turning parts. Like I'm not talking any ages here. Right, right. But we're at the mid to late turning parts of our years of working. Yeah. And I think we have incredible buckets of life and experience that affords us the opportunities to anticipate and make different decisions about our careers. We go for the mid to late. And so um, you've always been a role model for me. Um, You are such an incredible beam of light when it comes to Black women in our sisterhood, um, but also in our career, right? Like the change management and being brave to say the things in meetings. (laughs) and walking people on a coach journey where they probably need to step off that journey, but you've kept them on that journey. (laughs) And so, um, you know, I just shared with a mutual friend of ours Mm -hmm. that um, I recall, do you recall the offer of lunch and you met me at Bar Taco on Marietta Street? I sure do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And It was, we met at Mm Coca-Cola and you gave me some coaching then because I I was independent and I needed to just know the lay of the land and you gave me some coaching then. 
and then some years went by and we met for lunch and you just kept it so real with me. It was just so transparent and real. It was do this, don't do that. Consider this, look this up, do these things. So again, for me to carry on this conversation of getting to know Anika and now that we are pushing like the mid to late and it means, you know, that we've both grown and Anika, I want to know who you are and how you're going to be in these mid to late years because you have this bucket of experience. Wow. And so I have a list of questions (laughs) that I'm going to interview you. Uh Uh-huh. And I know you'll keep it full of grace and authentic, authentic, um, but I know you're going to give me some gems. And um, I'm going to share this this podcast clip. I mean, I share your podcast clip anyway, all of them, because it's been some really good ones. It's been some really good ones. And uh, I'm like, no, they didn't say that. But yes, they did say that. (laughs) Um, But I want to share because... I'm coaching some and I'm still getting coaching from other people. And I just think that where we are in our career is just so on point. Right. So some of our questions are personal and some of them are about work related and some of them are about just, you know, what we would, what we would do if we had our druthers and our choices. All right. Let's do it. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. And I'm, I'm not going to pull any punches on them either. So these are going to be some real ones. All right. Let's go. What? has been the worst project ever you have had and how did you finish it if you did finish it yeah yeah so what I will say is hey that's a really really good question what I will and and this I'm not deflecting there are a lot of projects that were really really hard they were projects that I felt like probably in the moment that it was the project from beep beep but yeah, I, we're not mentioning any company. You don't yeah, have to mention companies. But or people I, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But I look back now and here's what I'll tell you, Susan. There is not one of them that I didn't learn. They, they, that I did not learn who I was as a leader. I didn't learn who I was as a practitioner. Um, they grew me up in some way. And so I wound up looking back on them. I probably came out of a couple of them licking wounds, right? Like, okay, <laughs> never again. But six months out, a year out when something that came up, uh, a client that I met and there was a personality disconnect or they just did not show up well or right or didn't treat us right or I, I didn't feel treated right or seen or acknowledged. I look back because when it came up again, I had tools mm-hmm. and not the tools of our trade, but I had skills and a way to now recognize when a scenario was going to be similar, the same, I was encountering the same personality. I was encountering the same agenda, the same political environment, the same culture that muscle memory kicked in. It's like, okay, we're doing this again. Mm -hmm. And that became gratitude. Mm -hmm. So it became, Mm -hmm. if I hadn't gone through that and, and sat in that discomfort, I wouldn't have the tools to navigate this now. So it wound up becoming that was hard going through it the first time, but now I'm better Mm -hmm. and I see it for what it is. And so when you say, you know, how do you cultivate wisdom? You cultivate wisdom really by doing a lot of stuff wrong, uh, but learning from it. Mm -hmm. 
And so there is not one that comes to mind in terms of the work. I had one client that was very disrespectful, mm -hmm. uh, was very dishonest, uh, lacked integrity. And I had to learn how to navigate a space with him where I was not psychologically safe. Mm. He made it very, very clear by verbally saying and rattling off the list of black and brown women that he did not like. Mm. The audacity. Uh, yeah. And uh, just sharing, you know, his perspective and not appreciating that my emails and my communication used big words. I kid you not. Mm. It was it was like, you know, I don't, I don't know why you feel like you have to use, uh, you know, these words in this language in your email. I didn't understand it. And, you know, I just felt like I, I could or should offer you that feedback. Well, what does that word even mean? Um, and in that moment, literally sitting in his office, I, I, I thought about it and I was like, this is so not about me. Mm -hmm. And when he starts rattling off and naming people in my organization, mm -hmm. some of which I reported to at the time, mm -hmm. and telling me how much he didn't like them, I'm like, oh, okay, you're, you're letting me know. Mm -hmm. I stand with you. The hardest part was that was the first time, the first and the only time I went back to my office after that meeting. And before I could even drive home and get on 285, I, I cried for a minute. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, I have to navigate a relationship with this person. Yeah my client like and I've got to I'm going to be in his face every day he's going to be in my, uh he is trying to discredit me as part of a group of people because he doesn't know me uh and so that was difficult and so every day I had to pep talk that for a minute um but I left the conversation you know and one of his parting words were that hey you know I hope everything that I've shared is, is, you know, feedback that lets you know how much I support you. And I literally remember saying, um, thank you for this time and for letting me get to know you. I said, and as part of that, there is nothing that has been shared today that would lead me to believe or know that you have my best interest at heart. Mm. Wow. And he said, oh, <laughs> and we As both if... we both sat there for a second and I'm sure that he heard me mm -hmm. and he heard what I didn't say mm -hmm. and then I had to walk and still gather and collect all of myself and all of my parts and I talked to my husband on the way home because I'm like okay I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to navigate this because you know it's interesting I call them maturity moments because you're looking at the bigger picture of it but you're sitting in there and that and that and you're like, you got if you said I gotta navigate this and yeah. I gotta deal with this. And he yeah. put all his cards out on the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I it was important that I let him know I A, like as with anybody that I <laughs> that I meet and I talk to, right, Susan, I want you to know that I heard you and I understand what you're saying and how you're feeling. It was no different with him. I see you. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're not saying. And I want you to understand that I know mm -hmm. who you are mm -hmm. and I know how you are. <clears throat> and then I had to navigate how I show up every day. Yeah. So that was when you talk about those maturing moments. Th that's what I call the graduate level conversation. Th those, those, <laughs> those points where you're like, okay, 
I, this is going to make me in some way, shape or form. And not every day was a good day. There were pep talks in the parking lot. Like, sis, you can do this. Get out the car. <laughs> uh, get through this. Get ready. You know, gird your loins, right? I, and I had to have those moments. But if there was any project, and that wasn't necessarily a project, it was part of my role in the work that I was doing. Mm -hmm. It was having to navigate that individual. Mm -hmm. And I was able to do it successfully. Uh, as a matter of fact, <laughs> probably about four or five months ago, he reached out on LinkedIn and wanted to connect. Oh, of course. <clears throat> when you deliver well and you have integrity, they always come back. You know, so mm -hmm. yeah, that what I was I would say was probably one of those masterclass lessons that came up for me for sure. Wow. So along this same kind of line of experiencing, um, you know, some not so good projects or some projects where you're just dealing with the dynamics on there, and mm -hmm. you know, the clarity of this is not about me, this is about them. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of clarity. So as a, you know, and in our field, I'm not, I'm not sure how you're currently working. If you are mm -hmm. external and you get selected for projects or if you're internal and there's mm -hmm. a slew of projects, but, um, as a seasoned prof, uh, practitioner in change management, organizational development, leadership, mm -hmm. um, L and D communications and all these things, I mean, aside from a really nice paycheck, why are you volunteering for the stress and the awkward and these risky projects? And like, why are you doing it? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and aside from the paycheck, because some of the paychecks are getting better, but <laughs> one would hope. Um, what <laughs> what it is for me is because I you mentioned, you know, as we, as we get older, we get more experienced. I am very clear now, we're going to underline now and put that in bold letters, that it's part of how I serve and, and how I lead. And I don't really disconnect the two. And so Signing up for the hairy, scary stuff is because I really believe I can make it better. I can leave it better than I found it. Mm -hmm. So there's, that's the work side of it. Inevitably, you wind up engaging, connecting, building relationships with people. And out of all of the work that I have done, regardless of the organization, regardless of the entity, regardless of the practice, I was always really clear that I'm going to take these relationships with me. Mm -hmm. So they became my focus and my priority. Uh, the work is good. And if you're really good at what you do, right, the work names and faces change, right? Sometimes a lot of times the business challenge may change. The organization and the culture may change. But guess what? Human beings are human beings, regardless of where we go. And I was sharing this with somebody earlier this week, right? Human beings, just by our very nature, we are messy, right? Not messy in that, you know, we do stuff, but just we're human, we're flawed, We stuff happens. And so my goal has always been, A, I want to make the organization better than I found it. And the best way to do that is make the people better. How do I serve them? How mm -hmm. do I, how do I offer what I know? I learned mm -hmm. very early on. I had people that mentored me and that invested when I was like really rough around the edges and, you know, was still working on what it meant to have a work ethic. And there were people that, said, hey, I see something in you. And I remember thinking that, you know what, if they hadn't poured into me, 
I wouldn't know what I know. And what they understood was them giving it to me did not mean that they no longer had it. So for me, it was how do I give it away? Mm. How do I how do I share what I know? Because now we both know. Um, and if I can share it and it's not going to stop you. And we've had these conversations, right? You and me, it's not going to stop you from learning the lessons. But let me share how this might play out. Let mm -hmm. me share how some of these characters on the chessboard may play, right? Mm -hmm. To help you be more strategic, to help just inform your decision, not to make it mm -hmm. for you, right? Not to discourage you or encourage you either way, but just to say, have you considered this? Mm -hmm. Have you considered that? And some people uh, have, have welcomed that, right? You, we talk about how many times we walked our paths, our paths have crossed. And there are people that come back and say, hey, yeah, that was really helpful. And then there are some that I don't hear from again, and that's okay, mm -hmm. right? I, I accept it for where for what it is and where it is. And for some people, it's more transactional. And for some people, it's more relational. And the people that I'm in relationship with, my tribe, my tribe is deep and, and they are amazing. So mm -hmm. I get a chance to share and they share, they share with me, right? Not everybody is of my tender age, <laughs> <laughs> and, but I learn from them, right? Mm -hmm. I get I get to see how they're moving, seeing how young people are moving right now. One of the people that I learned from the most who is mentoring me is my 18-year-old. Oh, wow. This girl is gangster. She is, <laughs> she is, you know, my husband and I, she's, she has the courage today that I wish I had. Mm. Right? She, she, She's been through some things. She's seen some things. She is willing to question some things that it took me much, much longer to find my voice in. Mm, okay. So, so yeah, it's it's really, you know, how do I go into it? I What I find is that I'm wired to look for the scary things. Because mm -hmm. if, if it makes my stomach hurt, I'm like, oh, I want to get into that. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I, I, I want to unpack that. I want to dig deeper. And then I find ways to solve it. Mm -hmm. And then, I, then I'm like ready for the next thing, which is why I consult yeah. was always great. Cause it was like, okay, you get in, it's hairy, it's scary. Mm, there's something going on there. There's smoke, but there's no fire. That's cause the fire mm -hmm. is on the other side of the building, but it's coming mm -hmm. through the ventilation shaft or whatever. And then I figure it out and it's like, oh, okay. So what are we doing next? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So consulting allowed me to have that variety and it kind of fed my curiosity and that you allowed me to, to go deeper in different things. So I, I'm deep in change, but I'm deep in OD and learning was my doorway 20 plus years ago that became culture. And how do I think about inclusion and engagement and culture and all of those things fall under how do you take care of people? Yeah. So I, I didn't, you don't have my questions, but goodness, you are setting yourself up for the next question. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> so this part about you learned early on or someone coached you early on and, and what really mattered to you and you refined yourself over time, mm -hmm. you know, what, what's important to you and what you look for. And then we all know when you work in different industries and different companies, you get to see project types and you get to see organizational types. Mm -hmm. And then the type of work we're in is, is the change initiative or the people initiative, the culture initiative. Yeah. Um, so the next, the next question, that's what I'm saying. You're walking yourself right into it. So when you think about the kind of projects we've been on before and maybe even currently, what do you think about the future projects? The like the future kind of initiatives 
Do you think they're going to look the same? They're going to be the same kind of project types? Like, what do you think are, is going to be the next set or like the future set of, of projects? And you got any yeah. idea of, a, of, a, of an example? That, that's a good one. I think that we are continuing to try to crack the nut of the human condition, right? Mm. Uh, you and I, we talked like probably at the beginning of the pandemic, right? When we were in our our, our virtual oh sister conversations and we were getting to connect every week in, in the quiet and things were shut in and shut down. And what is still at play here to me is the fact that I think holistically, right? People were fairly good, at least here in the U.S., with compartmentalizing. This is my work. This is my life. This is my family. Uh, this is how I build a business. This is how I think about my health or not, my relationships or not. And I think that the pandemic forced us to literally and physically get somewhere and sit down and think about all of that. And in that pause, people realize, you know what? Yes, I'm compartmentalized, but I'm also very disjointed. Right? And so as people have been integrating back in, what they're realizing is I don't want to go back to living out of mm. in these compartments, right? Mm -hmm. I'm used to it. It's familiar, but A, I wasn't good at it. B, it was painful. C, it probably wasn't good for my health, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And I don't want to live like that anymore. Mm -hmm. And we are now facing organizations that are grappling with cracking the case on how do you address and meet people where they are when that is where they are, where that is what's top of mm. mind, right? Um, and so I think we're still trying to figure that out. And so in the space that we're in, whether that's around how we think about behavioral change, right? Whether something is sustainable, whether it's feasible, is it transformational? I think we're, we are in, again, the biggest transformational journey. Mm. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. We can say we do. We can... We can forecast and we can armchair quarterback it all day. But the X factor is still going to be human beings mm -hmm. and what we want and how we show up. And so I've seen it surface in how we think about multi-generational workforces, which we've been mm. talking about. That's been like the canary in the mine shaft for years for those of us that are in the space is you're, you now have all of these competing priorities. Mm -hmm. right? You have older generations that have been in the workforce longer. They have institutional knowledge. They have a perspective about work, uh, about their employer, about culture. And there's this constant bombardment, right, with all of these different expectations, right? Younger people, that whole work until my heart stopped beating, yeah, they're not signing <laughs> up. No, they're not. And I, I, keep, trying to, I keep trying to make a, a joke. Oh, thank you. I keep trying to make a joke about a 60-year-old, a 50-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 30-year-old, and a 20-year-old are in the same meeting. And right. I keep trying to like come up with a joke that I can say about that, but that is so true it is, about right? what is happening in because, the workplace. Because they all, we all have lived different lived experiences, even in the same generation, right? My lived experience isn't yours, and we're fairly close in age. So we bring all those perspectives. Um, different generations, again, they, different ways of communicating different ways of navigating organizational culture. I've heard some leaders say, you know what? Our younger people 
They navigate culture very differently. They don't see boundaries or hierarchy. They don't care that you're two, three levels above them. If they have something to say to you, they're going to say it. Uh, they communicate differently, right? So for those that are of us that are in change, we're in the communication business. And so, right, the long, sophisticated uh, cavalier presentations, they don't care, right? If, 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 you haven't, if you haven't hooked them with the story line and why they should care in the first 30 to 45 seconds, they're not listening, they're on their phone and they're telling somebody else in the meeting, that this is the driest meeting they've ever been in. Or, or we could have did this in a PowerPoint. So like, I, why I, am I here? Why isn't this an email, right? <laughs> why isn't this an email? Or it's us, right, saying, you know what? I agree with you. This could have been an email. It should have. And I'm here because somebody else wanted and, and they felt that this was the right way to get out the message. And the reality of it is it's not an either or, it's an and. And so mm -hmm. we flexible, right? It's how do we create a deeper story? We we have to be better and really excellent storytellers. And then you have to be able to be a micro storyteller. Can can mm -hmm. can you give me the gist of this like in two minutes? Because if not, I may still be, my body is here, but my spirit has left the building. Yeah, I heard somebody say they had to learn, like I think they were going to be learning a capability for the function. Like I think it was Lean Six Sigma and they needed to learn that. Yep. which we all know is could be a course and a, and almost like a practicum. And they were like, no, I just need bite-sized learnings. Like, is there a two or three minute YouTube clip on that? <laughs> exactly. Because, and here's the thing, right? We, so I'm going to, I'm going to switch hats and I'm putting my learning hat on for a minute. What I love about what you just said is the reality of it is we all learn in sound bites now. Mm -hmm. So I've been in situations or in roles and opportunities where it's like, you know what, well, we want to bring everybody together. We want to be together for three, four, five days and we want to all learn together. And it's like, say more about that because the reality of it is you want to use it to reconnect and build relationships. That's not going to be three, four days of really dedicated learning because we learn by absorption. We learn by observation. We learn by practice. We learn by conversation. We learn through research. And so you want to learn, but you want to call it training. And they're really not mm -hmm. the same. Mm -hmm. And I use the analogy of the difference between learning and training. I use babies because everybody mm -hmm. can, can relate to that because no, none of us sent our children to a training program to learn how to walk. They learned how to walk. Well, how did they learn how to walk? They learned by watching people walk by them, uh, by seeing people do it. They learned by standing up on wobbly little knees, right? Little juicy knees. And they bumped the knees or they fell and plopped down. And when they plopped down, what do we do? Oh, <laughs> you're getting, you're getting reward. We, reward. You know what I'm saying? We clap and we like, we encourage them. We like, do it again. Do it again. Go a little bit further. And then when nobody was looking, they practiced and then they let go of the table. And sometimes they fell and sometimes they didn't. And they wobbled for a little bit. The reality of it is we still learn that way. Mm -hmm. We've not always cracked the nut on how do we create environments where that can be done. And our babies learn how to walk because we create scenarios and environments where it is safe for them to do that. Mm -hmm. So how do we bring that into how we think yes. about it? Right. And we also didn't say, oh, you're getting ready to learn how to, you're going to practice walking for the next eight hours. <laughs> Right. They, it was in sprints. Right. They, they, they do it for 15 minutes and then they move on to the next exercise. Mm -hmm. And so now we have the we have 
multiple generations that are used to learning to your point. If I can Google it and YouTube it and somebody can show it to me in 30 seconds, in two minutes, and then I can immediately apply it right back to what I was doing. Mm -hmm. That's still learning. It's mm -hmm. in the work. It's not, I've got to go schedule this class. I've got to go sit in this room mm -hmm. and then come back and find a way to make it applicable. And so how do we get more nimble? Mm -hmm. So that, ad, so, you know, that, the L and D model, the Addy, you know, how you approach the, the learning topic and the methodology and all this other stuff, you still have it, but it, the delivery has to be it's compressed. It, it, really it's tailored to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we've got to just get better at, at what that compression looks like and where it yeah. happens. Uh, so speaking of so speaking of that part where <clears throat> we start to tailor the change initiatives to the type of stakeholder it is, like we say, like a 20-something-year-old or even a 50 or 60-something-year-old, we start yeah. to tailor that. And, and let's include, let's, I'm using include, inclusive, mm -hmm. um, diverse people. Mm -hmm. And so since we're talking about the future of change initiatives or change projects or whatever, how do, or Anika, this is about you. Um, wh what are you thinking about the realm of leadership in the future when it comes to we're tailoring to the type of workforce that we have, the type of people we're working, the type of projects that we have, how, how our stakeholder journeys look. So mm -hmm. what do you think about the realm of leaders in the future? from a change perspective, a OD perspective, you do a lot of coaching. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think what I'm seeing more, what I, what I am really working with coaching clients on isn't learning. It's actually, said it's, what? it's not learning, right? Learning how to do something different or learning how to do something new. It's really unlearning. Mm. So that's something that I focus on a lot in my, my executive coaching, right? When they come to me, they usually have an idea of what they want to, to learn about themselves or uncover. And my my second question is usually, okay, thank you for sharing what you want to learn, experience, et cetera. What do you want to unlearn? Mm. And there's usually a pause there, right? Because mm -hmm. I don't know that you always ask those questions out loud because the reality of it is learning is an exchange, right? So sometimes we have to give up a way of thinking or a belief system about how mm -hmm. we or how we should lead or how we've seen others do it or how we want to do it going forward, we've got to be willing to unlearn some behaviors in the way we've done things before. Mm -hmm. what it makes me think about repeated behaviors are not giving you that success that they're trying to get to. So right. you shed the light on their repeated behaviors to unlearn those. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Uh, you know, so sometimes we do that through the lens of strengths. Sometimes we do it through the lens of, you know, leadership assessment. Some people want a more data-driven uh, experience. And so what I have learned and what I am a practitioner of is what I think leaders can best do is learn how to flex and learn how to bend. How I lead somebody who is very senior, very tenured, has a lot of deep knowledge and expertise is not how I lead somebody who's, who is new to business, new to the company, new to the team. And then I adjust and I ask them, how do you want me to lead or walk alongside you. Mm. I don't, you know, sometimes I think we overcomplicate it. I, I ask, <laughs> you know, what do you need from me? How can I serve you? How, how do you want me to show up in this part of the relationship? Are you wanting me to walk alongside you more closely? 
or you wanted me to give you room and we just check in and I clear a hurdle or I kick through a door or something, you know, or how do I get you the next best experience? Mm -hmm. That I feel like is my, is my job as a leader. Mm -hmm. And it startles people. I've had people, you know, I've, I've had people on my team and I said, you know, my job is to get you to your next opportunity, that next journey, whether that's here in the organization that we're in together or not. And I had one say, wait a minute, are you firing? Like, wait a minute. And I'm like, no, yeah. what I'm saying is that my job is to help you get to your next best, greater thing. So I've had some people say, well, I want your job. Okay, well, let me tell you how to, let's talk about how you work me out of a job. Mm -hmm. uh, some people said, well, you know what? I'm scared to say, my, my dream organization may not be where I am now. Well, that's okay. How, how, do, how do we help get you there? I, I'm here to I'm here to lead and serve you which is bigger than the role you're in today. Mm. Let's talk about what that can look like and how I can support you in that. And that may be here or not. And if it's not here, that's okay. Let, let's still work toward getting you where it is you want and believe you can do your best work. Mm. That's always interesting when you, you know, everybody, when you go for advice, because it's always that first question, what exactly do you want to do? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man just that whole thing so uh, this is going to be it I'm asking you a two-part of Anika what exactly do you want to do a two-part question mm -hmm. if you could go back to the beginning okay so right now you're an established expert yeah. professional like executive in in your field but if you could go back to the beginning before you chose L and D, OD, change management, communications, all those things. The first part is what would you do if you could go back to the beginning? And if you can't go back to the beginning, what would you do now as mid-career if you had to change? That is a good question. I'll be honest, I've always thought of my entry point, right? To all things people, human capital, all the things, right? All the words we just you just shared. And I always felt like it it shows me. I, I've always, I remember seeing a former uh, leader of mine and she was doing some leadership development training at a company we were at together. And I was really new in my career. I was like the training coordinator. Like I put out the cookies and, and the juice <laughs> and set up the room, right? So that's how far back it was in my career. And when I saw how when I saw the light bulbs go on for people as she was sharing concepts and, and connecting things and she was talking them through what it means to be a learning coach and all of these things, I had the moment. It was like, ah. I was like, I want to do that. I did. I was like, I think I can do that. I want to do that. And so then I started to study the craft of it. What I will tell you is several, several years ago, probably at one of those moments where I was like, mm, okay, uh, do I still want to do this? Um, I'm a person of faith, right? So I was like, Lord, are we still doing this? Like, this is still mm -hmm. what we're going. Do I still love this? Do I still like this? Mm -hmm. And I had a moment where I remember, kid you not, true story, flashback. I was eight years old. I was in my room. I had this big, beautiful easel that was a chalkboard and I had mm. all the colors and paper and I had sat my poor little brother down. He might've been three and I was teaching him his alphabet and he was, <laughs> and I kid you not, I'm so serious, Susan. And 
he first of all he wouldn't sit still <laughs> so that was our first problem classroom management he didn't care he didn't care he's like look i came in here to you know play with spider-man or get my gi joe i'm not here to sit for your class right now that's not what i came in here for <laughs> but you know he was my captive audience and i remember wanting to teach him the alphabet and so i would like sing the song and sing letters and all this stuff and what that reminded me of was that i have always wanted to teach. Hmm. I've always been a teacher. Like that was like one of my first memories. And when I thought about it and I remembered it, it made me cry a little bit because I'm like, you know, I'm wondering what's next or if I'm doing the right thing. And if I'm on the, I'm like, you know what, God, I kind of feel like this has always been, this is how you made me. Like, hmm. it ain't like at eight years old, I knew anything about classroom design and organization and mm. instructional <laughs> I didn't I knew this three-year-old didn't know his alphabet <laughs> mm, right and so how could I do that so for me it was more a, a not a discovery but it was a recovery of what I love to do mm. and that has always been a driver for me that is exciting to me to help people get it so are you saying now a mid-career you would consider teaching? I feel like I've never stopped. Mm. I feel like I've never stopped. What I will tell you is I know that part of my leadership DNA is to teach and share what I know with adults. I don't know that teaching children and young people is my gift. I don't know that I have the intestinal fortitude or patience. Mm. To deal You're talking about K through 12. K through 12. Um, college, I don't know. College maybe. But yeah, young people are built different. Mm. And it's just not my gift. I'm, I'm not going to say that they are worse than, quote unquote, my generation. Because I, I think we get lost in generalities a lot. I, I know that I'm not necessarily gifted in reaching them that young. Cause clearly it didn't work with my three-year-old brother. Like I said, he was GI Joe, and he was trying. To, you know what I'm saying? But and, and we're laughing. But with adults, I, I I have always felt like you know what? If somebody wants to know what I know, I am willing to share it, soup to nuts, end to end. And then ask you how it went, how did it go, make it your own, that kind of thing. So I don't like I said, my next chapter will be a continued refinement and a mastery of what mm -hmm. it means for me to serve, teach, and lead people. Mm -hmm. Now, what I that can certainly co-sign that because not too long ago, if you remember, I reached out to you for, I think it was a, either a development model mm -hmm. or um, some kind of, it was something. And, and I mean, within minutes or whatever, you were like flipping me the files. Like, here's a, here's a, <laughs> I was like, well, all right then, Anika. <laughs> On demand, teach, teach me, <laughs> teach me. Uh, she got on demand learning, learning aids, job and, aids. And, and because I am, I really, really am always learning something. Mm -hmm. I, it's the way I consume information. It's the way I interpret information. When I am on a project leading, whatever the things are, I am, I am wired in such a way I am gifted in such a way mm. that I see it and I am automatically thinking, how did oh, I take this complex 
thing and simplify it so people can digest it. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah, I call that I, translator. I call that a translator. Right. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't. And that's why I call it a gift. It's because it's not something that I, I didn't take a class. There's no badge or certification in that y'all. I think part of it is that we are wired to take complex things, ambiguous mm-hmm. things and wrap it around story or examples or information that people can digest. Yeah. And you know what? Here's a part where I know. So one of my thought bubbles was to ask you, has that ever failed you at work? You know, Mm -hmm. like you said, on a project team and you know Uh that you need to translate something for somebody. Uh But then I just thought your gifts never fail you. You're just not in the right environment. They're not ready to receive your gift. And that's good. I actually think it is both. I think that sometimes, not that my gift has failed me, but I have probably misapplied it, mm. right? A a misused or a misapplied gift can feel or look like a weapon. It, it, it depends on if you're, you know, it, so, that's about intent, right? So what, again, so it goes back to flexibility, how I, how I interact, how I support, how I share, how I articulate, how I communicate. I have to get adept and nimble enough to flex it to meet who the other person is. Mm-hmm. Right? What works with you when you and I are talking may not work with the next person. Yes. So part of what I'm doing is sizing up and saying, okay, how do they need to receive it? Yep. Yep. Right? Um, it's read the room. I've had to learn that. Yes. I read, think you told me that too. Yeah, we were talking room. about that. Yeah. So it, it was really, you read the individual. Um, now the other piece that you mentioned, because I am always learning and downloading different things, I am a collector of information. The books that I have going on, they, they, they might like be closing in on me, my poor husband. (laughs) No, seriously, like my goal. So the same eight-year-old Onika, my goal and my aspiration at that time was to have a library. I had a library in my room because my mother, my mother co-signed on the addiction. And so I was able to always, (laughs) I'm so serious. I was a... My goal was to always buy books. I was always at the library. I spent my money on books. Then I spend my money on books now. And so, because it's always been valuable to me. So, no, I'm serious. Like my cousin, uh, who we lost last year, we are literally Mm -hmm. the same age. She would come over and she would buy a book. She would come over like, oh, I want to read your book. And I'm like, okay, I had a little checkout thing that I glued to the back of the book. You in the library? No, Susan, I'm so serious. And I made her sign for it. <laughs> and I had a little stamp of thing. I'm like, you can borrow it for two weeks mm-hmm. and then bring it back. But don't break the spine on my book. Do not mm-hmm. get the pages. You can Conditions. buy a book from me. <laughs> because... I loved books. I it, I was a collector of books and information. So you're absolutely right. When you would reach out and be like, hey, have you seen this before? And I could see it. I would see it like, yeah, we did that a couple of years ago. Let me let me send you some things. Here's some articles. Here's some research. Mm-hmm. You know, it may be a little outdated, updated, you know, go refresh it and see it. But I collect research daily. Mm. Today, I flag white papers. I flag reports. I am constantly always consuming because... It helps to frame my perspective. It helps mm-hmm. me to understand, to your point, if something is changing and what is my perspective on it. So mm-hmm. I'm, I am I am always constantly consuming. So you're right. It was like, you know, I'm like, yeah. I, I, and I'm not, and if I see it and I know I have it, I'm not going to stop until I find it. And I'm going to flip it back to you. Mm. Still the librarian. So see, I, that, e- that I, even speaks to the skill set though. Because 
and I think that's what makes um, you so dynamic because in change management and the type of projects that we have, the type of organizations we work with, <clears throat> it's more than just the work itself. It's the context in which that organization is either trying to compete with another organization or they're just trying to come up internally in their infrastructure systems. And you know that. So then your approach is, it's just, it makes it so much more than just, than just the field itself. And Anika, I think that's why you're so well-rounded is because the thirst for knowledge and the lifelong learning and the collector of perspectives, it just, I mean, it just puts you there and it's, it, I don't know, are we turning out? Okay. So if you and I, uh, or really you, this, you know, a list of people that you're coaching and you're bring, are you, t you're turning them out, I'm sure, well-rounded because it's more than just this one little question. It's a well-rounded seek and find this and seek and build this and seek and do this in a well-rounded way. Right. Because well, things I, are not done in isolation. They're not done in isolation, but you just said something about me turning them out. The reality of it is as a coach, I walk alongside you on that journey, but I don't own the journey. It, it's your journey, right? I'm here to, to offer different perspectives, to ask questions that may help you let go of a belief you had or something that you thought about. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I'm very clear today. Because in the beginning, I thought, okay, well, Anybody that I help, they have to do it this way. And if they do it this way, I know it'll turn out because they did it the way I said to do it. One of the first things you realize is that you do not have control over how another human being either processes, absorbs, or decides to receive from you. Mm. What you do have the ability to say is I recognize when somebody is receptive to me. Mm -hmm. That's my job as a coach. Everybody that's come to me has not been a coaching relationship that I've entered into because I know I'm not for everybody. Mm. It can be hard sometimes, right? Because you want to you want to help and serve people, but I'm not for everybody. You this goes back to what you put on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago. Like you gave me homework, <laughs> <laughs> and I read it in your voice. I read it. In, she's like she gave me homework, y'all. <laughs> and I'm like, why? Why is Susan's voice in my head? Uh, but not everybody's receptive to that. So I'm always, I'm really open. So if somebody explores or reaches out about a coaching opportunity or a journey with me, when we meet and we talk, it's the opportunity for, for me to say, here's my perspective and my point of view. And here are two or three reasons why I might not be the coach for you. Mm. Right. And I put it on me because it's not like there's anything wrong with them. It's that my style, you know, I may challenge you that may feel uncomfortable. Uh, mm -hmm. I want this to be a psychologically safe experience for you. And so if my questions nudge up or bump up against something you don't want to talk about, share that with me. Or if you're not willing to enter a coaching journey where we talk about the uncomfortable stuff, I might not be the coach for you. Mm -hmm. uh, I may share a white paper or I may recommend a book because based upon the journey that you're on, these are some principles that you need to understand, absorb, and make your own. Don't be cookie cutter, but make it your own. If you don't mm -hmm. have the appetite or the time for that, I get it. Might not be the coach for you. Or this yeah. might not be the time, right, for you to mm -hmm. do that. Uh, And then there are some people that just aren't because some things, we're all not, we all have different levels of self-awareness. And so if you're not really ready to tackle this, I also said this might not be the time. Mm 
you know? So it may, may be that I'm the right coach for you, but it's not the right time because you've got other things that are competing for your energy. So energy. come back if you want to. The door is open or not, or maybe I can point you towards somebody else that can address the needs you have today. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's more learning that and being okay with at this point in my in my life mm -hmm. and in the seniority I'm in all the things that I know and do and I'm willing to share I still may I'm still not for everybody mm -hmm. if you um because considering that and considering the workplace yeah if you know the some people have that whole question if you won the lottery what would you what's the first thing you would go and buy no let's ask this question anika if you had the magic wand <laughs> what is the one thing that you would fix at work at work at work if i had a magic wand it would really be to adjust our vision mm. because for as much as we see, there's more we don't see. Um, I think there is a huge opportunity for us to open the door in different ways. I think we look at diversity in a very linear way. There are people that learn differently. Do we make room for them? There are people that process information differently. Do we make room for them? There, there are people that have different lived experiences. Do we make room for them? Right? So what I always think through, especially from a change perspective is, and if we go back to, because you mentioned a little something, and I thought about this from a stakeholder analysis perspective. I was working on a, an engagement. I'm jumping around a little bit. I promise I'm going to circle back to what you said. <laughs> promise in two minutes or less. When we were doing some stakeholder analysis and we were working on some learning design plans, I've been doing a lot of work over the last couple of years around understanding where we have huge gaps in how we think about accessible design. Mm -hmm. Do we build cultures, learning solutions? When we're doing change and OD work, are we really thinking about the accessibility needs of all different types of people? And started working on, and I actually did a session for this for this client's team around accessible learning design. That if we think about just the, the learning discipline, the practice of, you know, those of us that are in learning, we are so far behind in how we thought about people that learn differently, that don't consume information visually. Uh, we, we get really sensitive and hyper aware of our branding, our pictures and imaging and color palettes and all of these things. What if our learners are colorblind? Or colorblind. Mm -hmm. And we're using that to tell our story. Uh, if we are looking at learning in what we considered, you know, in the past, very traditional models, we now have so many people that are in the workplace, generation agnostic, that learn differently, that may be on the spectrum, that may be dyslexic and have never disclosed it. Are we building environments where they can learn in ways that are safe or safest for them? Mm -hmm. Does that even factor into, are we considering them as a stakeholder? Right? I don't think we go into details like that. You see what I'm saying? Um, yeah. you think about it from a talent or a recruitment standpoint. Oh, we don't have the right talent and pipeline. We don't know where to find these people. There may be people in different people groups that have the skills that you need 
but they need a different accommodation. Mm. Are we thinking about that differently? Here's the thing, the pandemic exposed this and I will continue to stand on this hill. Everybody that works from home, if you got two or three monitors, right? It's because you need to be able to see better. Guess what? That's an accommodation. Mm. You are sitting in your high back chair that's giving you back support and supporting your arms and your elbows. Guess what? That's an accommodation. Mm -hmm. Your laptop is up on a riser so that it is eye level and you're not straining your neck. That's an accommodation. Mm. Everybody is using and or needs at some point accommodations to help them produce and do their best. Okay. If you wear eyeglasses, that's an accommodation because pumpkin, you can't see so well without. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's all of these things and they seem <laughs> right. You got your stress ball. So my these, thing here. these are mm -hmm. all of those things that if we would just pivot and ask a different set of questions mm. or open it up and say, okay, do we really have a, uh, have a clear view of how transformation X is going to impact this segment of our stakeholders? Do we even ask them the questions? Do we know where they are? Do we mm. know who they are? Do we know if we have them? Mm -mm. And inevitably, a lot of the answer was no. And it's like, let's ask those questions. I want to focus on those things so that we're making room, right? Okay. Uh, so again, it's still teaching, right? It's still, I've, I've not veered off. Accommodating the student, yes. Never, and it's whether you're the student of it through change or the student of it through culture. It, it that, that doesn't matter to me. The door that I walk through doesn't matter to me because I'm gonna bring all the tools when I come. So mm, mm -hmm. it, was, it, was, it was more that for me. And that part, that part gets me, gets, gets you know, gets my, my antenna buzzing. So that's what it had been for me. Okay. If I can, you know, I had my It wand. makes me think about, um, we recently deployed, we're deploying surveys in our APAC region and um, we're using Microsoft Forms. So shout out to Microsoft for being able to do this feature. Mm -hmm. You can load the English version and the Chinese version yes. and you're, you can use the drop down menu to click which one. So imagine if we had where the colors or mm -hmm. you use a drop down for if you're colorblind um, mm -hmm. or imagine if you needed the font size because there's so many things you know you can do your website your browser in, in so many ways yeah and that's that all is, you, what we're talking about is user user experience design yeah, yeah. and you're spot on and shout out to Microsoft because there are so many accessibility tools we don't have yes. everybody has to be a master of these things yeah so Microsoft if you yeah. need <laughs> Anika, you need endorsements by Microsoft. Okay, Microsoft, we're speaking you up. Okay. You know what? It's so funny because I, I have one last question and, and it yeah. was going to be, you know, if you could speak this out loud and mm -hmm. cause more things to be attracted to you. So mm -hmm. this algorithm in life, right? Like yeah. this, if you could speak to the algorithm, what would you ask for more of? Um, I was going to ask you about that on LinkedIn, but I don't think we need to and we don't need to speak and endorse LinkedIn, but if you could speak to the algorithm of life, what do you need more of, Anika? <clears throat> I, as an individual, need more of mm -hmm. grace. Because mm. I'm still figuring it out. I would love to say that I, there is a lot that I have figured out and there is a lot that I am still clueless about. 
Mm. So as I'm figuring it out or stumbling and stub my toe or do or say the right, wrong thing or the wrong, right thing is just grace because I'm still learning. The learning curve is still is still a real thing. And if you have ever needed grace, you then can extend and give grace. Mm. So and because I <laughs> I need a lot of it. It gives me the ability to sometimes step out of a situation and be like, okay, you know what, what's going on may have nothing to do with me, right? Mm. For everything, for every human being that you're in a room with and you're engaging, you're trying to solve the world's biggest problem. There are 10 other problems that they're dealing with that you don't know about. I know that's right, honey. Grace. And they bring it, and they bring it, everything that we are, everything that we're dealing with, we bring it into the room with us. So my goal is usually again to find out what's going on right so that i can either help move it fix it solve it uh get over it or just hit pause on it so that mm-hmm. we can focus on what happens or what's happening in the room not always successful uh but it goes back to what you were saying right what what are we dealing with every everybody Every single person, Susan, is dealing with five, 10 things that we know nothing about. And I'm gracious with the number, right? And if sometimes we just take a moment and be like, you good? And that's that bring yourself to work that is so kind of tricky now. Everybody's saying that. And it was on one of your clips too, because I think it was a black man. And he said, they don't want my whole self at work. And we're going to do this shout out before we wrap up. Yes, Mr. O'Shawn Jefferson, we were actually (laughs) doing an episode on code switching. Yes. And what he shared was gave us, gave me, blew my paradigm up on Mm -hmm. what I thought that was. And Mm -hmm. it was like, at the end of the day, I need to, I can't do that. Right. He's Mm -hmm. like, when I'm I'm ideating and I'm thinking and I'm, and I'm creating my shoes are off. I'm listening to Tupac. My, my, my hip hop is blaring. I've got my, 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 my speaker, you know, my, my headphones Mm -hmm. on and I'm vibing. I can't be walking around the office barefoot and, bi- and vibing to my music and, mm-hmm. and and because that's my creative zone. Again, mm-hmm. read the room. So you have to know when and where. Can you bring your whole self to some spaces? Yes, but you also have to know when you can yeah. and when that may or may not be psychologically safe for you. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what learning and understanding that is. The hope is that at some point we get to a place where I can bring more of, I, I, you know, your whole self, that that's that's a different conversation for a different day. But mm-hmm. is there an opportunity for me to bring more of myself yeah. to a space? Well, this time with you has been so enriching because I've got, you know, I have my list of questions mm-hmm. and I mean, I could have taken notes. Um, and I like that we ended on grace. I do. Grace is an important word for me. I'll have to tell you offline why it yeah. is. Yeah, we'll, we'll, but, yeah. And I'll yeah. share my but yeah, it, that's that's a big one. And you learn mm. that over time. Yeah. You, know, you learn that over time. Mm-hmm. Live this, long enough. The, <laughs> you live long enough. And you yeah, I need yeah. this. Um, but this part, this has been very helpful for me. I think I'm on the precipice of a couple of decisions. And um, like I said, reaching out to you and a mutual friend of ours and um, just really sitting back, observing and reading the room 
um, I know, I don't know where you are in your age, but you know, we got to anticipate and make some different decisions, um, just because we're mid career, but Mm -hmm. also I think we are in a, another evolution of technology, another evolution of people in the workplace and, um, and I'm knee deep in it. I'm 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 up to my neck in it because mm-hmm. I want to I, I want to know how do we leverage technology in the ways that we can. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm knee deep in AI and how does it change our field? How does it change our discipline? How does it augment or supplement what we do? Not through replacing people, but how can I automate things that I don't want or don't need to do so I can focus more on people? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And there are things that take my time and my energy that I would really rather be using in different ways. So what can technology do not to replace at all, but to allow me to really refine mm-hmm. how I serve and support people. So yeah. yeah, get in it, be decide to learn infinitely. If that's something that, that, that grabs you or get good at finding out the tool so that when you need to learn in that moment, you have your go-to so that you can. And the other, and the last piece is get you a good try, right? Mm-hmm. Together because there are some things you just got to phone a friend. Like I need to like, so are you thinking about this or yeah. should I do this? I'm like, if you want to, do you yeah. want to? You know, um, and so I'm learning the value of that. Again, of the meaningful few. I don't have a big circle uh, of people, but the ones I do, they're tried and true. Mm. So, Thank well, you. I sure hope I'm in your circle. You me. are in it. Look, you came, you flipped it. You came, you like, I'm interviewing you. And I'm like, yes. Oh, hey, Les. Yes. Okay, well, Cause I'm Because I, I need some questions answered. <laughs> I, and I don't know them for myself, so I'm seeking it out. So thank you so much for this time. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Um, I'm anxious to see how it comes, how this conversation comes out. And um, I'm certainly going to share this. Awesome. Well, you know what, Susan, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up. This has been an amazing hour with you. Thank you for Thank flipping you. flipping the, the tables, literally. And so for everybody in the audience listening, just want to say thank you so much for joining Susan and I on this episode of Converging Conversations. Please stay continue, stay connected, continue to reach out, ask questions, share topics that you want us to tackle. And Miss Susan, I'm gonna invite you back. We we might have a little something going on here. We've we we shared we shared a virtual stage before, but this has been awesome. And thank you for the interest and wanting to ask the questions. I'm used to asking the questions, so this was good. Mm. This was good to put me in a different space. So, everybody, how can you get engaged with us? Stay connected. You'll find the podcast on Spotify, all the platforms on LinkedIn, and you'll learn more about it. I'm going to link Miss Susan because she is amazing. Don't let the questions fool you. She is gangster in her space. Uh, this amazing, amazing veteran practitioner who is also a veteran, mm-hmm. you know, who has a as has a life journey that is worth knowing and skills and capabilities that are worth sharing. So Susan, thank you so much for coming and joining me on the platform. Everybody have a good one. Thank you.